Hello, welcome back to Two Parts Talk. Thank you so much for your support so far. Following and subscribing, as well as sharing our post on Instagram, makes such a huge difference, and all the messages of support are so gratefully appreciated. This episode is my talk with the incredible Maxim Schultz, the head bartender of the American bar at the Savoy. We chat through the legendary Savoy Hotel, how to gain experience and training as a bartender, the Booze Brain platform, and Maxim shares a very honest and realistic account on the effect of COVID on the drinks industry. Please follow us on Instagram and get in touch with your comments at Two Parts Talk. But for now, I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Maxim, how are you? Hey, uh, good, good, and you? Yeah, very good, thank you. How's Germany? Not too bad, not too bad. Always good to be back. Yeah, good. How long are you staying there for this time? Oh, you know, uh, until we know when, if, how we continue in London, yeah. really. Well, hopefully you're able to get a little bit of a rest there. I know you've had it quite busy the last couple of years, especially. So so we've actually met a couple of times, but it's really great to be able to to speak to you and have you on the Two Parts Talk podcast. So firstly, I met you at the Plymouth Gin Distillery mm. after your tour through the distillery and I served you a gin and tonic, not knowing, of course, at the time that you're the head bartender of the Savoy. <laughs> um, and then the second time I met you was during our company conference. And this was my first ever trip to the Savoy and the American bar, which I was, of course, completely blown away by. Um, Thanks. And still stands as my best bar experience to date. And yeah, I just love the American bar and the Savoy. So it's really great to get to speak to you um, and to get to know you a little bit better. So to start with, how how was that first trip to Plymouth? Because that was your first time visiting, I think. Yeah, really nice, actually. I did enjoy Plymouth a lot. Really nice. Uh, I love the seaside anyway. I love the water. Um, food was great. The pubs were good. You know, I had a great tour in the distillery. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Nice. And yeah, I mean, the Savoy and Plymouth Gin have had quite a, a rich history going back, haven't they? And um, mm-hmm. Plymouth was listed in Harry Craddock's uh, the Savoy Cocktail book 26 times by name. So it's nice to be able to have a little bit of a link between the two and to keep that established. So for those who may not know much about you, are you able to just tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, yeah. Um, so recent turn 30. Um, Congratulations, I, happy birthday. Uh, thanks. Um, I'm originally from Hamburg, Germany. So that's where the connection to the water. And um, yeah, I really worked in hotels and food and beverage all my, all my career, if you want to put it that way. Um, I have been a bit around internationally. I've worked in Hong Kong, Bangkok, um, Macau, Saudi Arabia, for example, and parts of Africa. Um, you know, and then sort of, yeah, just recently made, made my way to London. Well, it's two years ago, actually. Not that recently. Um, to the American bar. So, yeah, but, you know, drinks, bar, food really is, is what I live for, what's my passion. And that's why I chose it for my job as well. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. It sounds like a, a good journey. And so I, I heard you mention there Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, so how, how did that work? Because um, as far as I know, that's quite, that's a, a dry place, isn't it? It's it's very dry, not just the climate, but um, <laughs> also also the, there's no alcohol besides embassies. So you have some embassies, they have alcohol. Right. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, I took the job um, because I really wanted to accept the challenge that I've sort of been given by one of my former general managers that I worked with in Bangkok. And he said, look, we have an actually really cool opportunity here because there is no, there is no drinks market. Like there, there's just nothing really. Um, right. wow. And it was all, it was very, very big in, in demand um, for some excitement, you know, when it comes to beverages. So there was a, a coffee boom already happening. And um, he said, look, we have an opportunity here to, you know, to, to create something unique, something one of a kind to do proper and non-alcoholic drinks concept. Mm, wow. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, why not? Let's, let's try it. Let's do it. Um, accepted the challenge because I always found it more difficult to make a good non-alcoholic cocktail than an alcoholic cocktail. You don't have a liqueur, you don't have a spirit that has a certain flavor. You need to make everything from scratch and you need to make it fresh almost every day. So it's not, you know, you pre-batch some stuff and that can keep for two weeks. That's not how it works. Unfortunately, you have to do this every day. So, um, this is, what, this is what we did. It took one and a half years to get it um, consistent. In, in all, It was a massive hotel. It was a Ritz-Carlton Palace. Um, massive hotel, um, seven outlets, uh, big events. And yeah, but it's so successful now that they do a boatload of outside catering with it as well and uh, like massive events. Um, uh, and it has even become a, a corporate standard for married in Middle East and Africa. Wow, so, amazing. Yeah, so it was really, really good experience, learned a lot. And yeah, I'm still benefiting from it, really. Yeah, it's interesting because I think often bartenders will overlook non-alcoholic cocktails and they'll perhaps sometimes lack a bit of inspiration. So it's, it's really great to be able to, for you to have spent that time to build up that knowledge uh, to add into, of course, your other beverage knowledge. On that, do you, do you have any advice that you'd give to people to follow in your footsteps, not necessarily to take over your job as the head bartender, <laughs> um, but perhaps, you know, any, any books that you'd recommend or learning classics? I think, you know, understanding classics and technique is very important. And I'm still, I would still, I'm not considering myself as one of the best bartenders around there, you know. Uh, I think I'm a decent bartender, but, um, you know, reading about for example shaking times the ice you shake with why do we actually shake you know you meet a lot of um bartenders really you know they you know why do you shake a drink why do you stir a drink and then you get stirred drinks with citrus juices inside where you think mm, i'm not sure if that yeah. if you really intended to do it that way anyway but you know i think the the, the first step everybody should should go through is understanding classics and understanding technique. Um, what is the effect if I shake with ice? What do I do actually to the liquid that I'm exposing it to? Right. Um, but also I, I found a really, really good book, especially for classic cocktails. It's vintage, uh, vintage spirits and forgotten cocktails. I think it's called. Mm, yeah. Um, from uh, by Ted Hay. Um, I think that book is really good. Uh, but to be honest, you know, read the new for techniques. I find it very nice and short and to the point. An overview, for example, about techniques by the Schofields. The Schofields book. It's actually, okay. I yeah, really enjoyed reading that. Hmm. Um, the Jimian Bar Manual is actually really good. I think. 
um, very good thoughts in there to take away. Nice. Yeah. So some, yeah. some good books for us to, uh, to look up there. Um, I think as always, it, it's, you know, reading and learning the history. And like you said, getting into the details and perhaps even the science of why things are done the way that they are. And yeah. then that's where you can build on. So yeah, some good advice. Um, for people who may not have been to the Savoy, are you able to explain what the Savoy Hotel is? What makes it so special? And in particular, the American bar? Well, the Savoy Hotel is um, located in London, at the Strand. Um, so it right at the embankment with a view over the river. Um, and I think what makes it special and yeah, fairly unique, uh, I think, is is point one is, is the positioning. You know, we are nowadays right in, in the middle of the West End. Yeah. So the crowd that we are getting is very different to, for example, what we would get in Mayfair. So it's a bit louder, um, a good amount of fun, you know. Mm. Um, but obviously um, the history of the place yes. um, and, and, and what it has done to hospitality in general. I mean, it's open for um, 130 years, a bit over now, a bit over 130 years. Um, you know, the first hotel manager was Cesaritz, which mm. is in hospitality an absolute legend, obviously. Um, Escoffier is the first uh, chef, head chef, who basically developed the line cooking system that is until today in every kitchen and place was developed in the Savoy. Wow. Um, and yeah, I mean, then you go into the bar world in the American bar where you have Ada Coleman, Harry Craddock, the Savoy Cocktail Book, the founding of the Bartenders Guild. Um, and, you know, that sort of develops obviously through, through time. And, um, you know, that short history of 130 years, I think, the Savoy always try to push boundaries. You know, it has so many firsts. You know, the first elevator, um, first. I think it was the first hotel with a with a bathroom and with hot water for for everyone. Hmm. Um, you know, you drive on, on when you go into the Savoy. You drive on the other side of the road, just because it was better um, for the ladies to get out of the get oh, out wow, of okay. chariots um, and. and go straight into the theater or into the hotel Amazing. they wouldn't they wouldn't have to pass um through the muddy streets at that point of time you know the idea was always how can we make life of our guests better and i think this is where where the savoy for a long long time has has really pioneered yeah like you said i, I agree i think it's it's led the way for many many years and it still seems to be uh really leading the way in the bar scene and hotels and above all customer service. So in the American bar itself, um, the menu that you're currently running or that you have been running, the songbook collection. Yeah. Um, so for those who haven't been to the American bar, it's, uh, it's kind of built around a grand piano. Is that fair to say? Um, yeah. I mean, there, there, is, there are a lot of sort of contributing factors and why we wanted to make this menu. But I think when you go into the American bar, the first thing you recognize is not the bar, not the drinks making that that's that you will see this way way later yeah the first thing you see is a grand piano in the middle of the room with an, an oval shaped room around it basically putting it into the center stage of a small amphitheater if you want hmm. um and when at six o'clock the piano the pianist plays first tune 
the room transforms. It is a different animal. It's a whole different thing all in a sudden. Um, and this is just what makes it the American bar so special, I think. And um, funny how the, if you see the American bar room from a bird's eye perspective, it is shaped as a grand piano. And um, it was uh, our resident pianist's 15 year anniversary. So we thought, you know, that is just too much to ignore. And um, we, we really wanted to contribute to that and, you know, pay tribute to, to the music. So we created the songbook, picked 20 songs um, that we really enjoy and, you know, that our pianist plays a lot of times. And uh, we've recorded an album with them as well, um, which is on Spotify, for example. And um, yeah, basically had a good amount of fun with the drinks, you know, uh, to, to pair them with the music. And yeah, the guests really, really enjoyed it. There is a real buzz as soon as the as soon as uh, John, the pianist, gets on the piano, yeah. suddenly kind of lights up the room, even though it, of course, is lit up before. Um, it's just something extra special. And to be able to drink a drink that's then being played on the piano um, is it's just really special experience that kind of comes full circle to be able to listen to such amazing music as well how how do you guys come up with a menu what is the creative process well we really think about um not having a menu theme for theme sake or for yeah. menu sake you know what i mean it's um we want to try to explore a theme that our guests are really interested in mm. um, and that how we can we can tell a story to the guest that they really will enjoy and that they will understand and that they will appreciate so music is very easy because music is very very easy to to you know to um it, it touches everyone and everybody is interested into music but also because we are playing it every night um you know people get you get a really good connection to it um the menu before was all about pictures so we have a lot of terry o'neill's uh, original photography in the bar and um the the menu before was about this photography um again engaging with the guest telling a story about the room that they're sitting in the importance of the pictures and the story about the pictures and then the next one that we whenever we come back most likely will will launch um, is all about theatre, because as I said, we are in the centre of, um, of the West End. We are surrounded by by theatre goers and by theatres. So most of our guests, you know, are coming from the theatre or are going to the theatre after. So it it was just so close um, to to just make this connection and um, and use this menu as an engagement tool really yeah of course and so like you said it, it's it's great to be able to, to have a theme that you can speak to people about and that's really unique for the cocktail venue itself um yeah i think that's one of the things that makes the savoy so special and some other really successful bars when they have something that really tells their story but also tells a story of what's going on in that specific area so I think that's something that I'm really super excited to uh, to try this new menu as soon as we can, as soon as it's legal to. Um, yeah. So you mentioned there the new menu that's coming up is, uh, is it right to say it's theatre and arts inspired? Um, really just theatre. Okay. Um, theatre, possibly by the actors themselves or the authors. 
um, they, they play a bit of a part as well, but it's mostly the actual theater of the show. And we have this Savoy Theater just right next to us. Oh, fantastic, right? yeah. The hotel was only built to support the Savoy Theater. Wow, okay. So this, this theater was first, and uh, Mr. Dolly Cart, who built the theater, then decided I have to build a luxury hotel to make London and my theater this destination where people will travel to and stay overnight. Amazing, yeah. So it's like a little sister venue next door. Um, I just wanted to touch on COVID-19 and especially what's going on at the moment um, and how that's affected the drinks industry in general and how the scene is in London at the moment. Oh, I mean, there is no scene really at the moment. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, everything is still closed. Um, I think formed, there will most likely be some bars uh, reopening. Um, I think a lot of hotel bars will not um, because the hotels, you know, tend to reopen when they have rooms business. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess in London, it's as heavily hit as, as anywhere else, really. Um, the problem just in the UK is that it just lasts a bit longer than in other in other countries around Europe, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think that we will see the biggest shockwave is just to come, to be honest, in terms mm. of the hospitality industry. Um, because I think a lot of people have not understood yet um, the long-term impact and how many people will be out of job very soon, you know, when this furlough thing finishes. Or, for example, big hotels have to contribute to the salaries. Um, there will be cuts and this yes. is, is this cannot be avoided because as a business they cannot survive um, and I hope not but I would assume that there will be um, bars that we all love and uh, they might not be reopened as well mm. or mm. shortly after will be closed you know you know you never know because obviously for, for people it needs to make financial sense In, not everybody has a lot of savings that they can say all oh, can sustain a loss for six months you know yeah i mean it, it's been a really hard time hasn't it and uh, the thing to remember is bars are of course businesses um and yeah. the bottom line is that they need to make money and be safe at the same time so yeah it, it's a challenging time but one of the positives i have seen is that a lot of people a lot of bartenders are being quite adaptable and so a lot of venues are you know, getting into takeaway cocktails and things like that. Oh, how the how the um, bartenders and bar owners adopted to the situation, I think, is uh, absolutely stunning. If you see the um, ready-to-drink cocktails and so on, how, how that pops up everywhere now. I mean, some more successful than others, I'm assuming. But um, and also how the community has grown together, you know, in that sort of short amount of time, really. Um, that is really, really good to see and um, definitely going to benefit from this in the future, for sure. Uh, you know, they, for some, it's obviously to keep their business alive, but some do, do charitable things just because, you know, they also have the time, but they, it makes them feel better and it helps others, you know. Mental health is very important during this time. I mean, we are out now, Jesus, for what, since March, right? <laughs> Who knows, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I lost time, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think since the end of March, we are out. Um, that's a long time. Mm. Yeah. I mean, maybe that is one of the trends that we're going to see up 
uh, coming up in the next uh, few months, uh, RTD, Rise or Ready to Drink, uh, really kind of taking on a new level. I, hope. I, I think it's inevitable um, because, you know, if, for example, if you look at the US, it's a billion dollar industry there already. Um, it's nothing really new. It's, I think it just has been put into the spotlight now because people obviously want to drink at home because they cannot go to a bar. So somebody else has to come up with something. Oh, I can open a can, pour it over ice, brew it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, it's a good thing. And obviously then you get the more, let's say, crafty products um, from bars in London, like Scout, Tegan Elementary, um, Three Sheets, you know, mm. uh, Homeboy, I think, has started now as well. So there's a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah, and I, th I think one of the other things that um, we kind of briefly touched on there is that our consumers, our customers at home are perhaps learning more about drinks. So they're yep. researching these ingredients, they're really looking into getting quality products and how to make them at home, which I think is really a, can only be a great thing for the bar trade. It's also good that people start trying to make cocktails at home. I think um, that our industry will... Um should not be afraid of that. It's not that all oh, people are not going to go out anymore if they can make drinks at home. No, of course. They can cook at home, right? But they still go to restaurants. Exactly. So yeah. um, it's more about the understanding of what they're doing and what they're drinking and possibly their demand. That will change. Hmm. It's so um, people might not, I don't know, they might be more specific when they order a drink from you, you know, for example. Yeah. Um, which, as a bartender, I quite appreciate if they yeah. order a classic and they are a bit more specific of what they want to have. So I make sure that I make really the drink that they appreciate the most. Um, and I think, you know, we can learn a lot from that because if you compare the food to the beverage industry, I think, you know, if you go to a restaurant, you read a, you read a drink, you, uh, you read a menu, you read a dish, you have a good understanding of what you get, most likely. Yes. Yeah. With with a drink, sometimes you're like, okay, I understand the ingredients, but I have no idea how that's going to taste. Mm. And I think people know obviously more about food um, than about drinks. But if that's changed, if that should be changing, I think that's a good thing for our industry. Yeah, absolutely. So touching on the current climate, I wanted to just bring up Booze Brain. So oh, yeah. for those who may not have heard of Booze Brain, it was launched at a time of I'll say quite uncertainty uh, mm -hmm. during the first few weeks of when we heard about the coronavirus or when certainly it was a problem in the UK. Um, and I f I'm really grateful for it. It's something that I felt held the community of drinks industry and in particular bartenders together. And, you know, it, it gave us something to kind of focus on, something to learn and to you know to keep us together so what was the the reason for launching this was it something you thought about doing in the past um actually no not at all um that the idea came a day after we were told that the hotel is going to close wow um and that's was when i made the initial post and saying um and calling on to brand ambassadors and and um, representatives you know to you know, let's let's make some training sessions together. The initial thought was, I'm going to go mental if I don't mm. have anything to do. So I thought we always struggle for time, really, in the American bar to organize trainings with everyone. So I thought, well, this is great. Everybody has time now, right? And uh, then I thought, yeah, cool, I'll make a post and see if some, you know, brand ambassadors or whatever are up for this. And uh, the the response was so overwhelming 
that I then went to Joe Last, my, my girlfriend, and said, um, look, I think there's a real need for this. And then she was like, oh, you know, why don't we do a platform where everybody can tune in? So it, it's not just for us, it's for everyone. And so, yeah, this was very, very fast um, decision making and basically just created a platform. We both had no idea how to do anything of this. So we learned on the go. Um, but yeah, it has kept us very busy for three months. We had great feedback and great responses from everyone. So that was really rewarding to do so. We are now slowing down a bit with a bit of a, of a charity sort of aspect at the end um, because I th we believe that there is a bit of a, of a need for people to focus on what's happening out in the outside world. Um, obviously, politically, what's going on, that's quite important to, you know, to educate and put something, put a bit of energy into that, but also possibly think about what's next, you know? Mm. Um, and I'm yeah. speaking for someone who doesn't know if, if I'm going to have a job in two months. I don't know. Um, yeah, well. You know, so do very many or some people know already that they might not have a job anymore. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be very, very critical and crucial to think about what will I do? And um, I think that's where we decided to get away a bit now and, and, and be a bit more quiet, not killing the, the, the platform. Obviously it's still there. And if, if people want to take it over, we're very happy um, to do so. But from our end, we're not pushing it that that anymore because we ourselves as well have to think about what are we doing hmm. yeah I, I think it, it's important for us all to be positive but also at the same time realistic yeah of course um and uh, you know really get the facts and do some uh do some homework on what the what things are going to be like as much as we can prepare uh for the future yeah. but yeah like i said I, i'm really grateful for uh yourself and joe for launching that um, you know, bartenders generally are very sociable and at work, they're very busy people. And so it was great to have something that kind of instantly held us together, um, a bit of a sense of community and focus on not just learning, but also the health of hospitality professionals and a community. So, yeah, again, thank you for that. If anyone wants to check out Booze Brain, all your videos are available on Facebook. Yes, everything is available on Facebook um, and it's going to be there definitely. Uh, just, you know, go to the page and, um, yeah, and check it out. So what's next for you? What's, um, I mean, obviously it, it's a really difficult question at the moment, but um, I, I guess the, the, the new menu, if you're going back to work, if the, if the Savoy opens is next, but, uh, do you have any plans that you can share with us? Um, no, not really. I mean, first I have to see if the job will be retained. Um, and then I think we have to, especially when it comes to hotel bars, I think we have to be very realistic. We will not return to what we have left behind. We will return to a bar, most likely, that will um, serve afternoon tea or even breakfast because, yeah. mm. because, you know, the hotel or most of hotels will not be running high occupancies. They will be running fairly low occupancies. They might only open one of their restaurants. They might maybe open none of their restaurants and only in-room dining and a bar. That means food will be served in the bars. Services will be cut down. You know, I think 
thinking, oh, we're reopening and we're reopening with all the rooms and all the bars and all the restaurants. That's not going to happen. I mean, for no. a place that does so, well done. I envy you. But I do not yeah. believe that this is the reality. So mm. if and when, you know, I, I should go back, then, you know, we, we will have to deal with the situation. But I think it's, it's very interesting as well because it will be almost like a pre-opening of a hotel. You know, you're running around, you, you're doing stuff that you're not prepared for, that you're not trained for, but, you know, you learn on the go. And um, you do the best you can, you know, and be the best host you, you can be. It doesn't matter what it is, if you're serving dinner, afternoon tea, drinks uh, or breakfast. Yeah, I guess it's that adaptability that we were talking about before as well. Yeah. It's, you know, as long as you're still in a company that you love and you've got a job, then that's something that uh, I think we should all be grateful for yeah, at definitely. the moment. So at the end of my podcast, I'm asking everybody what their favorite cocktail is, but I won't do that for you. Lots of people in the past have asked me what my favorite cocktail is, and I find it so sure. hard to to choose just one. So um, is there a cocktail perhaps of the moment or something that you want to shine a bit of a light on? Um, yeah, as we're keeping a bit of um, sort of gin in the focus, right? It was just World Gin Day and, uh, you know, um, we've met at Plymouth. I thought a really nice drink what I use Plymouth gin for is the Bronx cocktail. And it's actually a drink that I haven't had in a long time, but which I really enjoy. Mm. Um, and I just find it so good, a gin vermouth cocktail, just a little bit of um, fresh orange juice in there. Um, it just makes it, it just makes it so refreshing, delicious, and it's still boozy. I like boozy drinks, to be very honest. Um, yes, yeah. Well, you're a bartender after all. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, for me, it's just very important, you know, use, I, I would use, roughly 50 mil, 45, 50 mil of, of um, Plymouth, um, 15 dry vermouth, 15 mil sweet vermouth. And then for me, very important is you cut a fresh orange, a quarter of a fresh orange, and you squeeze it nicely in there. It's just so important for me, the fresh orange juice in there. Beautiful. Amazing. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to making that. Thank you again so much. I really appreciate well, your thank time you for having me. Um, being able to speak to you. Thanks again so much to Maxim for such a great chat and for being so supportive. You can follow him on Instagram at Maxim Schult. Please do let us know what you thought of this episode and share links via Instagram. My next episode is with the wonderful Chelsea Bailey. I talked to Chelsea about competition bartending, her experience winning the UK Bacardi Legacy competition, managing cocktail bars, and opening the doors again post-lockdown, in particular, ready-to-drink cocktails. Thanks again for listening. I'll speak to you soon.